So, hello and welcome to episode two of this Outcast for 2018-19 with myself, Glenn Price. And this week, again, no Ollie Warner. Um, still on honeymoon. I think last time I spoke to him, he was heading up the coast of California, avoiding wildfires and all sorts of stuff. So hopefully still alive and we'll be back next week. But um, yeah, I'm joined again this week by Mike Price, who was on last week. So welcome back, bro. Thanks for having me back. Only... I've got, got a chance of replacing Ollie at this stage. You know? <laughs> Only one mic this week as well, which yeah. makes it a lot easier. Obviously, the two mics last week was pretty confusing for anyone listening back. Um, and this week, a new uh, guest on the podcast, Chris Hudson, who uh, is someone I've known for a long time and been a long time Shoes Guitar fan and covered us in all sorts of various forms. So yeah, Chris, welcome to the podcast, and uh, yeah, I hope you're glad to be on. Thank you very much, <laughs> delighted to be here, looking Thank, forward to it. Thanks mate, I mean, before we start, we should really get a bit of your background, because I think sometimes for listeners, we don't know how long we've been following Shoesby Town and, and our history, so, you know, what's your what's your era, when did you start following the town? Uh, started going regularly at the start of the 1990-91 season. Mm. Bizarre story, actually, in my first game that year, I was in the away end, because Shoesby <laughs> played Gillingham in the League Cup that year, I, my dad's a big Gillingham fan, it's where I'm from. And he took me to the game because they were in Shrewsbury. And yeah, fourteen-year-old boy thought this is great. I came the next Saturday to the in the home end, and I've been going yeah no. for the last twenty-eight years. What was the score in that first game? Did Town win? Is that what turned you on to yeah, it? Yeah, so it's uh, the days of two legs. Shrewsbury won 2 0, having lost the first leg 1 0. Yeah. <laughs> that, there we go. We've got someone with a mind for stats tonight. That's fine. And as I say, you've been going all through that time. So we've just been talking before we started recording the podcast about favourite players and favourite games. And yeah, go on then. Who was your favourite Who's your favorite player in that entire era? It's a long time now, Chris. Tommy Lynch. Is, you know, that, that oh, question, yes. If you ask me that question in another 28 years, the answer will probably still be Tommy Lynch. <laughs> yeah, it's just, he was my hero. Tommy oh, Lynch was a legend. He's a legend. And does uh, he feature in one of your favourite games? Is it from that Era or maybe I could I could ninety three four was a season that I just loved so I yep. could pick basically half the games that season and they'd be in the <laughs> list but probably if I was going to pick one I'd go forward a few more years bizarrely and go for the Great Escape just because oh, yeah. the memories of that Exeter game and did going, you go to that yeah I did oh, yeah it was mem- memorable so in those days I used to go home you know I was one of those forty six yeah. games a season kind of people and yeah I was definitely at Exeter I remember queuing for hours to get the tickets and everything <laughs> and yeah it was it was unbelievable because. The way we were playing that season, we'd only won eight games all season. Yeah. We had to win that game. There was no choice. It yeah. sent us down. Yeah, it was, the oh. pressure was unbelievable. And the emotion when we did it, yeah, that game sticks We out. never made that, did we, bro? We no, were, I couldn't still get, quite young at that point. I couldn't get the day off. I was working <laughs> in the fruit and veg section at Sainsbury's, <laughs> and they wouldn't give me the day off. Oh, hard times. Yeah. Hard times. That's one of the, like, when you think about massive huge town games, and we, we've been to most of them, I'm sure you have as well, there's one game that I missed and Mike missed that's always sort of rankled with me because it was such an important thing. I but think, the thing about that game, the, the way end, uh, Exeter, I don't know, probably owns about two thousand but if you talk to people around Shrewsbury there was about thirty thousand people there that day, you know. <laughs> there were Shrewsbury fans in the home end to be yeah, fair, yeah. we sold all our tickets and the extra fight it was a really bizarre atmosphere. When the game finished, big pitch invasion to celebrate, but their fans were on the pitch as well and they, they met us in the halfway line, they were just shaking their oh, hands and everyone good. was saying, so, so glad you stayed up. We wanted you, not Chester. Yeah. Oh well there you go. <laughs> they just didn't seem at all bothered they'd lost that game. So. Mickey Brown sent Chester now. Good, yeah. good times. Um so yeah, we've actually got some football to talk about this week in terms of competitive action. Yeah. Uh, the season kicked off, she's between Bradford, but um yeah, we've got a few other things that have happened around last week really to discuss. The Toto and Nolo situation for one, um, signing Anthony Grant, obviously the game as well, and then looking forward to next week. So lots to, sh- lots to pack in this week, guys, and uh, yeah, we'll crack on. Well, Shrewsbury are definitely in the ascendancy. Here's Lynch. He's got that. He's gone in. Unbelievable. Two in two minutes. 3-1. So the big news early this week really was the the breaking news that uh, Shrewsbury Town were being pursued by an unnamed Championship club. <laughs> we, we should always refer to, tra- to, to the Tractor Boys as from now on. Um, although some people have been referring to them as the Traitor Boys, which I think is quite an interesting nickname for them nowadays. Yeah. But um, yeah, Ipswich Town came back in very late in the window to renew their interest um, in two of our players, and obviously Paul Hurst came back to pick his son up from Shrewsbury Town, who he, he'd left behind. So um, <laughs> yeah, Toto and Nolan. Um, 
I suppose the first question to ask is, it's going to be a gutter to lose them, isn't it? Massively, yeah. They were a huge part of last season. Um, and they're just they're the sort of players who, sort of regardless of how much money we receive for them, we're not going to be able to replace them with that quality. They're that good. Mm. Um, Toto, bless him, when he started, he was quite error-prone. Yeah. A little bit of a liability, but he improved massively over the course of a season and a half. Um to the point where he's a big loss. And then Nolan, as soon as he joined us, he was quality and he only got better. Yep. And without him, we wouldn't have got anywhere near Wembley last season, never mind getting promoted. So he's a he's got big shoes to fill, even though he's only about five foot tall. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it's going to be a massive loss, I think. It is, yeah. And just, I think, go on. Go I was just saying, technical ability, John Nolan's yep. got to be one of the best players to have played for this club in at least yeah. 20, 30 years. Mm. You could probably name on one hand players that were anywhere near to him. You know, Maybe Tony Kelly from my early days was up there for technical ability, mm. but yeah. there's not been many. He's a no. very, very good football player. And you know, let's be honest, he thoroughly deserves a crack at championship football. Which is yeah. interesting that, you, you know, I, I, the thing I thought about this week is I'm surprised once that became common knowledge that maybe other teams weren't coming and sniffing around. You know, there was things on the press about Leeds maybe being interested. I don't think anyone other than Ipswich has bid, although they still won't confirm it's Ipswich of the football club. But, it, you know, it's interesting when you talk about how good Nolan is, you know, potentially there should be many more suitors for him. But I suspect that he's got his heart fixed on joining Hurst. Mm. They've had this relationship from the th- last two clubs they've been at. So I guess that does swing him one way or the other. But I suspect some people might have had an inquiry but who knows I guess the thing that's been rankling town fans the most um, and it's not all Shrewsbury town fans and I'm sure we'll have a different opinion around the table I, I spoke to Ollie this week he wants to talk about this when he comes back with his old day so <laughs> enamoured with this whole conversation is he so we'll be doing some more on this at some point but yeah a lot of town fans seem to have, have either fallen one way which is like Ipswich have absolutely taken the mick out of us with the way that it's developed uh, or Ipswich are just doing what we'll probably do to someone next week when we're late in the transfer market and we need one of their players. So, I don't know, how how upset are you about the demeanour with which Paul Hurst and, and Ipswich have taken it in terms of they sent a, a message to Brian Caldwell by text and, and bits and pieces like that? Is this anything that particularly bothers you too? I think Brian Caldwell's been very clever with that, the whole text <laughs> thing. He wants the fans on side, and I understand that, and yep. I think he's brilliant at what he does. But I, I have to say, I'm probably in a minority among Shrewsbury fans, and it doesn't, I'm just... I just, I'm not that bothered. I understand. <laughs> I understand where he's coming from. Frankly, do you think Paul Hurst would have come in this late in the window just to annoy us? There'll be a reason for that. If he could have got those players back in May, June, and had pre-season to work with them, he would have done. Mm-hmm. It's not like he's doing that because he thinks, "Oh, let's Spite. see if I can make yeah. things as difficult as yeah. I can for my old club." He just wants two players in his squad. Now, those two players deserve a crack at Championship football for my money. And if we can get the right prices for them, then I, it's just football. It's the way of the world. Yeah. Last summer, we took Omar Beckles off Accrington Stanley We're about two weeks into the season. He joined mm. us at the time, one of their best defenders. I don't remember Accrington fans going ballistic about Shrewsbury raiding their squad late yeah. in the window. It's yeah. just football. It is just football. I think uh, there's a, there's a pre- preconception of Town fans that, oh, well, we've, we've always known this move was going to happen, so why didn't they do it at the start of the summer? Whereas Beckles might have come out of left field for Accrington. Who knows how long we were tracking him for? Likely what it is, we were tracking him for quite a long time. I think that's why it's got so many people messed up. The whole text thing, yeah, Brian's probably being clever, but it's interesting. I trust I, I trust Brian a lot more than when he when he lied about the kit vote back in the day now because um, of what we moved on to, and he's a good bloke. And I trust that he probably did get a message off Paul Hurst by text, which feels a little bit a little bit crap, really. You'd think do it do it officially, like. But did he get the, it off Paul Hurst? He well, said he had off. That's the other thing. I don't knows? believe that Paul yeah. Hurst makes the offers for football. No, I suspect mm. not. I'm imagining he got a text off the Ipswich CEO or the Ipswich chairman, or who knows. He probably got his number. He probably just passed on the number to him. But the, the interesting thing was that is you've got um, Ipswich themselves who 
like Chris was saying then why didn't they do it early in the window apparently there's a thing that they've been selling Matty Waghorn and they sold another player for 3 million quid and so obviously they were waiting for the money from what I've heard of the Ipswich chairman is just as tight as our own chairman can be at some time so it's almost like the battle of the, the tight wads in terms of money so presumably yeah. they were just waiting for another transfer to go through to bring that money in yeah apparently that's how I understand it is they were waiting to, for the finance to be in place to, to put the bids in but I don't think it's for me I don't begrudge either player moving on it's like you say it's football it's it's the it's the model that we've got to get used to as Shrewsbury Town fans. We have got to find rough diamonds in the lower leagues or currently struggling at another club. Bring them in, polish them up, increase their volume, and mm. sell them on. That's the only way we're going to survive. Yeah, so yeah. I hope this becomes a more regular thing. As gutting as it is, and as much as you want to hate these players, I hope they both do brilliantly at Ipswich in a failing Ipswich team. <laughs> my, Especially if we get a good sell on class. Exactly. Because my, my, my anger goes back more to the movement of Hurst and how that was handled. Yeah, not well. The, the movement of the players is, I think there was a finance thing involved and they. I think if we'd have got promoted they might have given us another year each with Championship football. There's a possibility of that but when we didn't get promoted I always knew that like yeah, we'd was... lose two or three of the very good players. So, my ire towards Ipswich remains with the movement of the manager. Mm-hmm. I can't get too annoyed about the movement of the players. I wish personally it would have happened earlier so we had more time to replace them. But it's football. I can't be that annoyed about transfers. Like Chris says, we do it to other clubs. Yeah. Hopefully we'll do it to other clubs before the end of this window. Well, we need to, I think. Yeah. Even the transfer request thing, I've seen a lot of people say, how dare they slap in a transfer request. Yeah. Now, I can't prove this, but I, certainly from my time of being a sports journalist, I know footballers hand in transfer requests probably more often than you realise. Mm. Yeah. Clubs don't normally announce it. Yeah. Handing in a transfer request is just the player's way of saying to the club, look, I'm aware there's interest in me. I'm, I'll be honest with you, I'd like to go. Mm. It's not like they can, it doesn't mean they're going to go. It's just their way of making it clear they want to. Mm. I, again, I ain't got an issue with that. And, it's almost part of the game. I, th- I put on Twitter quite soon after that came out. It was almost like, you know, they've done this. They put their transfer request in. Our next step is to announce that because, A, it lets fans be aware of it and it almost kind of changes the narrative a little bit. Oh, these disloyal players have put transfer requests in. Makes it makes it easier to sell them down the line then all of a sudden and it, and it kind of yeah. solidifies the situation you're in. So, I think that's Brian's MO, isn't it? I mean, he's, yeah. he, it's almost builds that little bunker siege mentality. Yeah. It's us against the world. And yeah. I think that sometimes that helps a club. Like, you know, Millwall do it. Wimbledon have done it over the years. It's, yeah. I think Brian's creating that little, you know, mm. nobody like everybody's on our backs, but we're going to prevail. Yeah. He did it with Paul Hurst back in May when he yeah. when the, he went on radio and said it's an illegal approach. And he came out yeah. with that really, quite an emotive phrase. And that, that set the narrative for how the football fans now feel about Paul Hurst and feel about Ipswich yep, Town. Yep, yep. That's calculated. I think Brian's a clever guy and I'm sure he knew exactly what he was doing when well, he did that. That was the next point I was going to come on to is Brian and Town's position on this because he has played it you know, with a straight bat, let's be honest with you. He's, he's put it straight back in their court. They've made us an offer. Interestingly, you know, Paul Hurst would have known what those players were worth and they've quite obviously tried to come and lowball us still, which feels a little bit cheeky because he, he probably was part of the team that set the value of what we would accept for these mm. players. So, cheeky, seems... but what would you want Roland Witchley to do oh. when he goes to bid for a player? for us do you Same want him thing. to ring in yeah. and say I'll give you as much as you want you go in and see what you can negotiate don't true, you, true you enough, buy a house you don't go in and say that's the asking price I'll pay that yeah. yeah it's a rare situation for the manager to have gone to another club I suppose and in our as, as Shrewsbury Town fans that's not happened before has it so they're coming in and they're low borders and Brian's done the right thing in my opinion he said to them here's your value meet the value and then we'll talk again and it seems from everything that's being reported now that the valuation has been met and there's this negotiation over sell-on fees and bits and pieces like that and we kind of had a little bit of conversation on this me Mike and, and Mike Davis last week about how much you you know how much do you feel selling those two players with total of a year left and Nolan with two years left what kind of value do you feel like I think you said something like 1.8 to maybe 2 million, two million. yeah, you, yeah for both of them you'd be quite happy with that job lot deal with some sell-ons mm-hmm. I think that the contracts leave us in a strong position where Brian can negotiate if they both had 12 months left then you know we, we'd kind of almost have to take the second offer we can negotiate but we can sit this one out 
we don't want them sitting in the reserves. So, you know, yeah. obviously... The reserves? What reserve team? Well, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. Oh, well, off training with Zach Jules and whoever else he's with this week. Um, <laughs> the youth team. But, yeah, like, so they've obviously got to move. But we can play hardball to an extent and say, well, you know, the contracts are there, so actually we can do what we want. So, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll settle somewhere on a reasonable fee that mm. I think possibly favours us slightly better than Ipswich. Yeah. Think, do you feel, feel that's a fair a reflection of what you think their value is? Yeah, I end up at roughly the similar figure, actually. There's a big difference between the two players. Mm. So you've got Toto and Siala, who is out of contract in the summer. Yep, yep. So if we don't sell Toto and Siala now, then frankly, in January, he's worth 200 grand yep. tops. If, and you'll be lucky to get that because yep. anybody else can just wait out to the summer and get him for nothing. So you've got to get, you've got to take your money. If yeah. Because I saw everyone saying, oh, the Accrington lad, what's his name, Donassian or something that mm. they've signed, they paid 650, 700 grand for him. People say, well, surely Unciala is better. That guy's got a longer contract. Yeah. It's a different yeah. situation. John Nolan, though, he has got the next season as well under contract. So, yeah, we're in a stronger position with him. So, yeah. you're probably looking at one and a half for Nolan and yeah. half a million, yeah. 600 grand. It feels about fair, doesn't it? And, and you know, hopefully uh, the club get a good deal out of it. And those sell ons have been paying off recently. We haven't talked about this podcast, but obviously. The goals and money went through a while back, but it looks like Woods to Swansea is almost inching forward to being a deal, and we've got twenty percent of what eight million yeah. quid, which is you know probably going to be more than we sell Toto for when you add that money. Yeah, up. so you know, percent of the profit in it. So yeah, we'll, I think end, so. we'll end up with around a million well, at least, won't which we? is which is fine. You know, it's more than we get for most players we sell. I can't imagine we've sold anyone more than Joe Hart has ended up being more than a million quid. So there we go. Um, but so the money is not really an issue, is it? And it's just a case of them finally ironing out those things now. So it'll definitely get done before the transfer window. Um. I'd like to think that we're not waiting for it to get done before we move on. Targets will need, um, and which well, we've only got till Thursday. Well, so I yeah, think exactly. I, I'd like to think that the manager and Brian are on the phone at this moment in time on a Sunday night, and knowing Brian as I do now, he probably is. To be honest with you, so um, I'm sure that we're looking at things. And then, as you, as you said right at the start of this, other clubs will be saying the same thing about us next week. So it is a tricky situation, isn't it? But it does bring me to the next thing before we get onto the game, which was obviously prior to that. I think it was on the Thursday night. We we did bring in a, a replacement, if you will. Um, not for the lads who were leaving, but for Abruagogo, who obviously left to go to Coventry earlier in the season. Um, and yeah, Anthony Grant signed. And the interesting thing about Anthony Grant was that you know we were quite open that we'd been we'd been bidding for him. I think, and it, and the Peterborough chairman was quite clear on Twitter that we'd been bidding for him. Mm. Um, and he turned us down for wages. So it's interesting that suddenly we were back in now, <laughs> knowing we're about to lose our two players. And you've got to assume that we offered a little bit more money this time. It's interesting to know who's moved there. Has Grant moved? dropped his wage demands because the transfer yeah, window is ending or have we moved up because we desperately wanted to get him in could have been um, a meeting in the middle exactly yeah so something's happened there and, and on paper he looks like yeah. the missing piece of the puzzle because I was concerned about how robust our central midfield was going to be without an Agogo or a Godfrey in there um, I'll leave my comments on his performance on Saturday until the match <laughs> okay um, but yeah hopefully I mean I watched his interview after he joined and, and they said what kind of player are you what can we expect and he basically just said I tackle and I pass and that's all I do yeah, that's all you get. I mean, that's kind of all I want from somebody because there's other people to be creative. So, yeah. on paper, he looks like he's a good signing. And, and in terms of his, his career last season, he played 43 games for sorry, 38 games for Peterborough last year. A fair few of them were substitutes, but obviously he played a full league one season. He was involved in a squad the whole year. Mm. And as you said there, Mike, he's played 430 plus games in his career now. Which is a great signing. But he's only ever scored 15 goals, so we're not going to expect goals out of him. He's an Abu Agogo type yeah. in terms of that. But yeah, it looks like it fits the bill really. Yeah, I think he's a great signing. You look, you look at the social media reaction from some of the Peterborough fans. Quite a few. I looked on Twitter all their fans are saying you know Evans has got this wrong we should have kept mm. him they, they, interesting that's that. I found that interesting some of our fans I, I think 
everyone thinks the football has to be young these days. I saw yeah. these all these reactions. He's, he's thirty one. He's over the hill. And I thought, blimey, that, that, that upset me as yeah. <laughs> just turned forty two. You've got what? another year left in you yet, Chris? Well, you know, I'm starting to think that maybe a professional football career is not going to happen for me. You know, the clock's ticking. Yeah, the window closing on Thursday. So. <laughs> but Grant at thirty one, I ain't got a problem. There's not. We signed Sadler at thirty two. I don't see anyone grumbling about that. No, sure. He brings a bit of experience. He brings a bit of quality. Like you said, we maybe not on Saturday but mm. there's time to come he, but I think I think he's a player over the season will play a lot of games for us and be an important part of our squad I mean had his point about his age our squad is actually very young this season mm. and, and and on Saturday when they came out I, I was worried we were lacking much experience on the pitch at all so mm. he adds to that part of it as well which is, I think is, is a great benefit yeah so yeah definitely filled a hole that's that's for sure so yeah there we go that, that was the sort of ins and outs or to be ins and outs this week um, so yeah interesting to get your guys views and obviously it'd be interesting I mean we've seen what everyone's reaction to the Toto and Nolo situation is but um, yeah when it's done yeah, any other comments um, send them into the Twitter account and we'll we'll probably use a few of them when Ollie's back because he wants to get stuck into it as well so um, yeah we'll leave that there and we'll move on to talking about the game Morley on the move little ball forward to Payne there to hit maybe for Nolan Nolan hits it and Nolan scores what a goal John Nolan top corner with 10 minutes to go at the Valley. It's an absolute cracker from John Nolan. So, Saturday was the opening game of the season. Uh, home game to Bradford City. Um, lost 1-0, same as last season. But I'm <laughs> sure the tale was a slightly different one this time um, from everything I've seen and read. Obviously, talking about the match, I, I didn't make it. I was running a marathon on, on Saturday, which is why I'm obviously completely sunburnt now, as you guys can see. But I'm <laughs> Showing off. <laughs> no, yeah, marathon yeah. On Saturday. It took six hours, trust me. It was dead hard. And obviously, Ollie didn't go because he's still on honeymoon. So... That's what I wanted you guys here who actually went to the first game to give us a good feeling for it. And I think, obviously, before we get on to the actual football, the other key thing about Saturday was us being the first club in Britain to open a safe standing... Uh, sorry, first club in England to open a safe standing section. Um, and, yeah, the thing pretty much sold out from everything I've seen. There was the new yeah. banners up uh, behind the stand. Looked great from all the videos and stuff I've seen. And, obviously, you guys never actually experienced it, but I'm sure, like we talked last week, you were going to probably going to stand there at some point, Chris. Um, but, yeah, how did it affect... My, my first question is, how did it affect the atmosphere of the rest, rest of the ground? I know you both sit in the West Stand. You're in Block 14, Chris, aren't you? So you're near it, whereas you're in Block 17. Yep. So you can maybe judge how it affected Block 19. I don't know. What was your overall view of how it, the atmosphere had changed? I thought it looked brilliant. I, yeah. I genuinely... I was a little bit jealous I wasn't in there, to be honest Aww. with you. Um, it was, it was pretty, pretty stocked out. There were some empty spots in there. Yep. The banners all looked fantastic. They were waving flags. They were bouncing around. You know, it, it looked like a real party atmosphere in there. And they were making a good noise. Good. And the noise it worked so much better coming from an end, as everybody suspected it would. Sweeping across the pitch, we, we felt like we had that side of the pitch was ours. You know, sometimes, well, Bradford certainly on Saturday filled the away end. Mm. And that end of the pitch felt like theirs. And it felt like when, at the second half, we were attacking their fans. So we've got an end now. If yeah. we can build on that, it felt really good. And like I say, it, they were making a good noise. I noticed, an, an, I noticed a, um, a, a decrease in the noise coming from Block 19. They weren't, they weren't leading the chanting as much as they used to. But also, it was less supportive of the town. And there was a lot mm. more of the moronic oh, God. Jeremy Kyle chants. Ugh. Jimmy Savile's one of your own. Oh, no. And there was another, they did, they did another even worse one. I, I can't even remember what it was now. At the time, I just rolled my eyes and just Is thought, it safe for podcasts? Uh, probably not. To be fair. <laughs> if I remember it, I'll shout it out in a minute. But yeah, there was a lot more of that coming from down there. And it, I think it, what it concentrated is it, it. I feel like it concentrated the element that does that sort of chanting. Mm. So that's kind of they were still in nineteen. You're saying in nineteen, yeah. the south yeah. the south stand seemed to be yeah. back in the town, really positive, really vocal. Um, so I really really liked it. Sat in 
I'm sort of on the edge of 14 next to 15, so mm. pretty close to halfway. And from there, you don't normally... I know 19 are great, or at least you know last season, 19 were great. For, I've got to be honest, from 14, you don't hear them that well. Whereas yeah, yesterday, the acoustics work. Mm. What you said, the noise was sweeping across the pitch. It sounded brilliant. Yep. And interesting, that those chants you just talked about there, I didn't hear any of yeah. them. And, and it's interesting you say that, because obviously you talked about your, your job. You've previously worked in, in sports journalism, haven't you? And, and also PR for you know British rugby, I think, wasn't it? English rugby as well. So you kind of have been in a lot of stadiums with atmospheres. And one of the things I know the club are very keen on was that those positive chants that Mike was talking about there are so yeah. much more useful to a team on the Absolutely. pitch. You know, the, 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 the more negative stuff, it's great, it's the football banter and I it's the tribalism. But actually, when you want to get players playing well, the positive chants that we saw towards the end of last season, that the, the guys that are now in the safe standing area, you know, the block 112 at Wembley as they've sort of, sort of deemed themselves... That's so much more positive to a football team, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's, it sounded great, and I'm sure that the players can't help but be inspired yeah, by some of yeah. that. So certainly, they were we, we were pining, <laughs> but we were pining on pressure at the start of that second half, and the noise level went up. Yeah, totally. We're only human. All football fans are the same. You respond to your team doing better. And yeah. when we were getting on top for that spell, the, in, there was 10 minutes when the atmosphere was tremendous. Probably mm. one of the best I've heard in there. And, and I got... Mum and Dad went to the match in, in corporate hospitality. I don't know if you know that, Mike. Yes. So Mum and Dad got a load of free programmes. I was reading one of them over their house today and just reading through a lot of the notes from the chairman and Brian's notes and, and the SP notes. And, and it should be respected. And we've said it on this podcast a few times, but now it's open. It bears ref- reflecting that Brian, Mike Davis and Roger Groves of the Sports Parliament... The, the work they've done those three particularly but also I know there's been a myriad of helpers in the background who've, who've really helped get this off the ground from little things and, and even to very big things so I think anyone that was involved in getting that project off the ground anyone that contributed anyone who stood on it for that opening day and anyone who's just supported the, the, the whole scheme going forward I think everyone deserves a pat on the back for Saturday because I think it could not have been any better as a launch for what they wanted really so um, you had a bit of a laugh about the balloons being let off though didn't you Chris? <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for that yeah. <laughs> yeah that felt a bit flat to me <laughs> but then again, maybe for the people in the safe stand, exactly. yeah, I felt a bit different. I thought yeah. 515 uh, seagulls or pigeons or something, you know, like the start yeah. of the Olympics, that would have been better. Doves. <laughs> <laughs> I got it at 5-2, missed that, but there was two balloons stuck to the top of the safe stand. <laughs> I'm quite clear, and I was wondering what they were, and then no. I noticed. Yeah. That'll cause another leak, Mike. Um, yeah. There we go. Um, so, anyway, then the football started. So, obviously, you didn't get in there till quite early. Did you go to fan zone? Nope. Fan zone was a shambles, apparently. Massive, oh, really? massive queues. They've changed the bar. Bit of complaints about that. So I'm sure we were revisiting that because fan zone's been brilliant, hasn't it? But yeah. I was say, it was busy yesterday. There were big queues, but I just, I just give the guys who do that the yeah. queues as well. You've yeah, just yeah, listed yeah, some yeah. people. So Chris Allen and the guys. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think, I think the fan zone's a great addition to our mm. club. I, I'm, I hope it's a brilliant. Yeah. I'm sure they'll sort that out. The yeah. I, I can't complain at all because I'm part of the steering group for this fan zone, so <laughs> I bear some responsibility for some things. But yeah, I've been been not involved in it in this start of the preseason. But yeah, Chris. Jamie Edwards from the community team um, and a few other guys that are on that as well. Yeah, I'm sure it was just opening day teething problems, but one of the things I did see a lot of people moan about was queues. So I thought it was worth reflecting because yeah. I'm sure the club listened to all this and they'll make all the changes off the back of it, so it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, anyway, so you got in late on, saw the yeah. team. So well, just... well, before I saw the team, they're selling chips in the buffet, Glenn. No. They've got chips in the buffet. What? In the West End, <laughs> chips, burgers, hot dogs. I'm absolutely blown away by this yeah, news. Yeah, I'm amazed you didn't know this. How has no one... How has at- this news not got out? I know. Well, this is... I'm, I'm blown... Podcast Scrap the over. podcast. Yeah. <laughs> we walked in and I was like, Glyn will not believe this. I, I only hope it was a one-week <laughs> try and they never do it again and you missed it completely. No, well, it didn't sell enough because yeah, I wasn't yeah. there. That's shocking news. Yeah. So I, I, I'm actually the first time in two and a half years doing this podcast. I'm flabbergasted. Madness. <laughs> so we thought that it was going to be a good day because we saw the chips. Um, I've been on a diet recently. That's gone to go, to go to the crap now. Yes. The season starts. Never mind. Yeah. Um, yes. Well, that's something to... I'm looking forward to that on the football now. <laughs> <laughs> I should report back on the buffets when I first go. There we go. Um, but yeah, the team... 
So Coleman starting goal, Bolton at right back, Kennedy and Sadler, the centre-backs, which I thought was quite interesting. Beckles at left back, and then three central midfielders of Loft, Colquitt and Lauren, as we're going with now. Chris Hudson has informed me before the match that the commentary from Stu Dunn was Lauren instead of Lauren. Lauren, actually. Lauren. Oh, OK, fine. We'll go with that. I'm only going on what they said on the radio. I have no idea. I've been adding the P on at the end, so that's fine. And then two wingers of Wally and Payne, Mm -hmm. um, which is also interesting. And then uh, Holloway starting up front. So I suppose first question of the season... You know, that's quite different to what we looked at in some respects last week. But yeah. yeah, a little bit interesting. I was surprised to see... I mean, the biggest surprise to me was seeing Kennedy start and Beckles at left-back. I just... Well, from Glynn's pre-season comments, he didn't, he didn't seem to rate Kennedy. I didn't um, know. He, I didn't know. So I was surprised to see him in there. Other than that, it was roughly the team... I think it was roughly the team I picked, actually. Yeah, I mean... Um, or suggested that he might pick rather yeah, than what I you, wanted him You to left pick. out Loft, that was anything, but yeah. Yeah, that was it. I put Ben Morrison, who didn't even make the squad. Yeah, So Something going what, on there, isn't What's there? up for him, yeah. Luke's um, near me in Bastchurch, actually. I'll have to bump into him and ask him. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it, it, it was it was roughly what I thought he'd go with, uh, and it's not, I was glad to see him continue with the tactic from last season because I like that tactic personally. Mm. Do you know what? It was a really odd one to pick this team, wasn't it? We've got yeah. all these new players. He hasn't exactly had a settled lineup in pre-season, so I turned up not having a clue what mm. the team was going to be. Uh, yeah, my opinion is he's got it a little bit wrong. If I'm honest, yeah, okay. I, 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 yeah. would, I would change three or four of that starting lineup. I thought the defence was wrong. Beck, you've signed a left back, so what? The, I'm sorry, play yeah. if. if if, if, if he thinks Haynes isn't good enough, then he needs why, to get another left back. Why did Beckles did that as an emergency last year. The guy yeah. is not a left back. No. He, he had you know, he did really well last year. I know he got team of the year and all that, but that, let's be honest, I think we were all a bit surprised at that. Yeah. And he was not good yesterday. Kennedy, he did all right. You know, he was okay, steady. I thought he was all right. I, he I was okay, was but I still think we can find better. Yeah, We've got a bit of money now, hopefully, coming in. Before Thursday, I really hope we sign a proper centre-back mm-hmm. who goes on to play 40 games this Grandison. Season. <laughs> I'm going to keep stammering no, no, this. I'm, I'm going to go back to proper centre back. He's a right back. But, um, <laughs> yeah. I, if you're going to play the shape from like, yeah, the shape really worked for us last year, yeah. but it worked with proper width. We yeah. got width yesterday because Payne leaned to winger. So Payne was wrong. We were relying though. on Sean Wally, who fortunately had a cracking game. Yeah. But when he came down the left hand side, it was too narrow. Mm. The other problem you got is the overlap because Beckles isn't a left back. When he overlaps, he crosses onto his right foot, he brings the ball onto yep. his right. So he's always checking in. You don't get that ball from the, the overlapping left back from the corner like mm. you can get from Bolton. Yeah. Bolton's not particularly attack-minded, but he's better at that role than Beckles because he's on his natural side. Yeah. I just, I, I think that we've got the players in the squad to do it. I'd like to see two or three changes there. Yeah. So, I, you'd, I, so you'd stick with the tactic, but change the personnel, really, from the first view of it this season. So uh, Gilead impressed me when he came on as a sub. So yeah. if it was me picking the Charlton team, uh, I'd either drop Holloway and move Payne where he should be, or drop Payne. But yeah. certainly we need, I, and then he wants to play a big boy up front you're yeah. going you're gonna to see Holloway or the shop end of story I think this season but we'll, we'll see as it develops yeah. we'll I don't think he wants to play Payne like a small guy the guy's no. powerful yeah. no I don't think he rates I don't think he rates him as a striker because he wouldn't be playing a left back well, yeah. if he doesn't rate him as a striker he might as well sell him and bring in another winger mm-hmm. if that's yeah. what he wants yeah. to play because that shape, shape doesn't work for me yeah, with the, Stephen Payne the issue, with, the issue with the left was Beckles didn't have a great game and he's not a left back and he, he proved it again at the weekend he, he did he did his he did his best didn't he but it just wasn't happening for him so like you say Beckles when he going forward generally drift inside Payne naturally drift into the middle of the pitch to centre forward so the width on the left just wasn't there so when we were trying to get out from goal and he was trying to hit it out of the wings he'd only go to Wally really because he was the only one having a touchline but everybody else was drifting in 
Um, and the point about Kennedy, him and Sadler played very well at the weekend. I didn't think they'd give him much, but against a fast strike force, we Pace. looked very yeah, yeah. slow at centre-half. Sadler has never yeah. been the quicker, that's not going to change. No, he's that's Kennedy, what Unciala yeah. gave us that balance. If Sadler yeah. was missing up, on, on, you know, if he was too slow for what was going on around him, Unciala usually provided And I'm cover. presuming Kenny doesn't have the physicality of a Toto either. He's strong enough. He's he? physical okay. enough. Yeah, he was all right. I mean, yeah, he's not a Toto, but he, he, he battled brilliantly. Okay. He was up against a pretty, pretty robust striker, but... Yeah, yeah. speed-wise, I think we're, we're done if we come up against some strikers. And the other, the other thing that Mike mentioned last week that, I'm, that he's had, I think you had Faye in your team, and obviously did. he didn't start, which was which was interesting as well yeah. because obviously he's been highly rated. Askey's been probably bigging him up a lot in the season, mm. um, so it was a shame for him not to start. But yeah, that was know. that was my biggest surprise walking in there that he wasn't starting because the mm. preseason he's had and the fact that um, Payne was starting on the wing. Well, and we tried it last season. He's not a winger, no. so. I was surprised he wasn't starting in there. Um, but when he came on, he didn't really do a lot. But oh, he didn't have much time. To nine minutes, I think it was. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure Askey will tell you they're not actually there to be wingers. It's kind of 4 3 3, isn't it? And he yeah. wants them coming in uh, to play centrally as well as wide. But I'd I, I, Okay, Hanabiri sounds built for that role to me because yeah. we're being told this is a guy who can play out wide but can also play bang up front. So surely that's the perfect position. For that's where he had in pre-season yeah. in the games I saw as well. And also, if, if he is saying they're going to be off the front of a striker, I think Wally is a better out and out winger than he is doing mm. that little role in the number ten. Mm. I've seen him play there a few times, and he's a brilliant winger. You just get him run at your right or left back, whichever wing he's on. That's what you let Wally do, and, and keep out the rest of him. I know he's got a good shot on him. But... I've had a good moment, so it's only fair to say there were some positives. As well, well, that's fine. We'll run through a bit of the game, and then we can talk about some of the players. We haven't talked about because I kind of want to get your opinion on, on everyone, everyone that played because obviously a lot of people haven't seen these boys before so um, yeah I've only seen the highlights back um, and, and read some of the match reports so it seemed like the start of the game we were under the cosh the early 20 minutes was and obviously the goal came and we'll come to that in a minute but basically Bradford started well they, they looked a little bit more up for it did they and, and they were they were on top from the start Chris? They were on top I don't, I'm sure we were up for it but yeah, yeah we, we didn't settle I, Bradford were undoubtedly on top for 20 minutes absolutely I mean, the first 10 especially, I mean, we could have been behind very, very quickly in that game. And yeah. actually, by the time they did score, we were probably just starting to find our feet. Yeah. And the goal came okay. from a complete dispensary yeah. catastrophe from Bolton. Yeah. Was, where I was, on four, when the ball came across, my section of the crowd went ballistic. They all thought it was offside. Yeah. I'd like to see it back to see if they were mm. like, I wasn't sure. But there was certainly a lot of reaction to that. But offside or not, Bolton just has to put that out for a corner. It's really? a simple defensive job. Not even a corner. He's trying to turn to hit it out for a throw, isn't he? And mm. he just pummels it into the, the guy that's marking him, basically. And, it's, and then he passes it in. Yeah, guy scores on the edge of the box. I mean, Coleman, I can't really point any fingers at the goalkeeper Plus on that goal, no. it was Yeah, they had a good game. Yeah, yeah. it was good. My memory, so, yeah, my memory the goal is but I think Bottom had a couple of chances to clear it oh, he, okay. he tried to turn once had to turn himself back tried to turn again he, yeah. well, first chance he could have just stuck it in the stand really credit to Jack Payne good finish yeah. I mean but, nice sweetly struck shot yeah, that was the keeper good the start you're talking about um, where they were on top they were on top and we struggled to settle I think their support helped them start strongly because they were really really loud they, they, started, are, aren't they, they started brilliantly because like, there was you know, however many fits in that away and a lot of them were chanting and singing and as well as the, the, the safe standing was doing that's only the top third of a stand. Yeah. This was a whole stand. So they really got them going to start with and no. it took us a while to adjust, I think. No, it just shows the power of the crowd, doesn't it? And then from the highlights I've seen, there was only two other chances for us in the first half and there was none for Bradford, apparently. But um, Wally had a, a shot which he sort of bla- blasted wide, I think it was on, the, on a sort of sort of transition from a corner mm-hmm. and there was a ball that Wally played into pain that he headed just wide as well. I don't know, is anything else stood out to you in that first half, really? Um, no, that was about the size of the chances, but... Uh, as Chris said, we grew into it just before they scored and I think we were the better side. And Outside of their goal, and, one, and late on they had a, a pretty clear one-on-one, we kept them pretty, pretty, we kept pretty tidy. I thought we were the better side for the first half and most of the second half as well. 
They did have some real quality in attacking positions, though. I mean, yeah, the guy well. Scannell who was playing on yeah. the wing. I remember when they signed him from Huddersfield. I saw that one on Twitter and thought to myself, "That's a hell of a signing." Yeah. I'm sure he played a few Premier League games. He's a really good player, and you know, he was too good for Beckles. He turned him inside out. Oh dear. Yeah. <laughs> say, he was causing us problems. Then they've got up front. So you know, they are paying. They brought Owen Doyle on as a sub. Yeah. Handy second yep. half. They had quality, so you know, I'm not going to panic because they, they were a decent side. But, uh, yeah. I, they should be top ten, and if not better this season, Bradford for the money they've spent and the type of players they recruit. We talked about this in the podcast uh, at the first one we did this season, and um, yeah, in in the face of it, it might turn out that losing to Bradford doesn't look like the worst result at the end of the season. But you still want to win your home games, mm. you still want to win your opening game, particularly. But it, it might be one of the harder games and one of the harder teams we face this season. I'm just judging it from what who they've signed. So yeah, they've definitely got a lot of quality though. Did Mike Percival play for them? Yes, yes. yes. Was he good? He's one of my favourites. Yeah, he was pretty solid. <laughs> but uh, but Holloway, yes. Had a very good game holding the ball up oh, okay. against a very good centre half in, yeah, in, yeah. in Knight Percival. I thought the ball stuck with him a lot more than it, than I remember it sticking with Carl Morris. Often he would, fifty percent of the time, he'd try and control it and it'd sort of bounce off. Whereas Holloway held it up quite well at the weekend. I don't know whether that's his usual game or he just had a particularly good go at it. But Com- compared to Carl Morris, I think one of our sort of complaints about Carl and, and he worked very hard and he did a good job for us was that sometimes he'd be missing in the box when we eventually sort of transitioned into mm. that final ball. And there, did Holloway like to be up there? Was he a sort of edge of the six-yard box when the ball was going in? Or no. Not? No. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> he'd hold it up, he'd lay it off to Wally, Wally would skin two men, knock it in, and there would be nobody there. Brilliant. Yeah. So that tradition's continued as well. Yeah. It's nice that we've not really <laughs> changed the method too much, is it? <laughs> Jesus. Um, so yeah, half time then came along, if, if there was nothing else there. Would you guys have changed anything? We were obviously 1 0 down. We were, obviously, you said we were playing well, but you were probably content to leave it. If I was John Askett at half time, I wanted pain off because I already thought he wasn't in that, he wasn't in the right position. Interesting. Um, I thought Loft had done okay, but. At the time, I'd have, I'd have thought if Grant's fit enough to be on the bench, I'd like to see him on the pitch. I thought mm. he might have given us a bit more to break them down. Mm. You know, he, it did transform. We'll come to it in a minute. He came on and he probably didn't do that as well as I'd have hoped. Yeah, he came on at 61 that was minutes. That's my half-time yeah. That's what I wanted to see happen. Okay, interesting. Yeah, so Grant did come on. I should do the second half sub. So Grant came on in the 61st minute. Um, Gilead came on in 74. And then, as I said, Faye came on for the last nine minutes. Obviously, didn't have too much time to influence the game. So, obviously... Askey made changes during the half, so mm-hmm. it's good and positive that he maybe saw things weren't quite going our way and tried to uh, affect some of the changes from the things you guys have mentioned. And obviously he took off uh, Payne, but not until the last nine minutes, and obviously took off Loft as well, like you mentioned. And then, yeah, well, probably worth talking about Grant now, really, as we get into the second half. So he had probably more of a chance to show what he had in the second half um, than anyone else, because he had more time. What did you make of his initial performance, Mike? Because you weren't overly pre- happy before. You asked him what he had. He looked like he had a hangover. <laughs> Um, he was. Uh, he came on, and you could see he was so up for impressive. He looked like he really wanted to do Wouldn't a brilliant too job. Much. Uh, and yeah, he. But you could tell he just hadn't played with those players, mm-hmm. and he was looking around. He was talking to people. That he either wasn't getting their name right, or they weren't listening. <laughs> um, and so he'd, he'd take himself into a position. He wouldn't make the tackle, and there would be nobody behind him because oh, he just he just wasn't used. To it. So he looked like he was a bit all at sea playing. Then when he actually did get a tackle in and get the ball and break forward, he made brilliant yards and then passed it straight to the opposition. Mm-hmm. He wouldn't look up for his pass and he just looked like he just he desperately wanted to do well, but he looked like a guy who hasn't played any, hardly any football pre-season or if he has, he hasn't been used in his usual position and he just looked like he was short of match fitness really. His first touch was like a six-yard pass, fine, yeah. no problem. His second touch, on the edge of our penalty area, was to gift the ball to one of their midfielders <laughs> to give them a clear run on goal and that could easily have been 2-0 in oh, game no, over at that yeah. point. 
And then from the he had a few moments. There was a late ball. He, he played a chip over the top yeah, where if yeah. Bolton had connected properly, we might have equalised. Yeah. I mean, Bolton basically yeah. had an air shot, but it was a great little chipped pass. So yeah. uh, there was I a mean, bit of quality there. You can see yeah, he's got it. He just needs to get fit. The yeah. first thing, the first thing he did was receive the ball from a throw-in, dropped the shoulder left hand right, turned around, and he was in acres of space. And I thought, play it. And then he, he didn't do that for the rest of the time. <laughs> but um, yeah, there's definitely something there. You can see the way he moves as a footballer. Yeah. And he, towards the end of the game, he was getting into it, but. Yeah, he'll want to forget that and, and, and improve when he starts next week. Which is interesting, Mike said it was more about miscommunication with, with other players that he wasn't quite sure of, but you just mentioned they might be lacking a bit of match fitness as well, Chris. Yeah, I mean, I'm basing on the fact so. he hasn't played a single yeah. football match in pre-season. I, I think he's, he's oh, he was Peterborough's yeah. Zach Jules, if you like. I don't yeah. think he's been training with their first-team oh, squad. See, we asked this last so. week, didn't we? We didn't know, so it's, it's, mm. I don't know how you picked up on that. So, there, yeah, there you go. It probably is a bit of fitness. But, yeah, so second half, in terms of highlights I've got, which you might, might remember and you might remember some more. Um, so, uh, Wally and Bolton did well before Bolton put a cross in. Um, Holloway sort of took out two defenders when the cross came in and it fell to Beckles at the back post. Should have scored. Well, he put it on target and obviously a defender cleared it off the line. Did it look like it was going in from where you were sitting? Yeah, that looked brilliant. That was the one that was headed off the line. Yes. I thought it was in. I was up. I was... Oh. That was that was the best... Not the best chance we had, but the, the most likely I thought we were going to score. That I thought that was a good goal and we were going to go on then from there. But... Um, yeah, it wasn't to be. Great connection by Omar, though. Mm, yeah, 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 really good. Well, it was one of three golden chances in that second yeah, half. Yeah, So you also had Josh Lorraine hitting the woodwork. Yeah. yeah. Great strike from him. Well, he should have scored. He should have scored. I'd like, like to see. I haven't seen the re- He should have scored. scored, scored I think, yeah. Okay. So, and then uh, you had Alex Gilead, who had a, a vast shot from outside the box as well, which crashed off the bar. Like Great. Another strike as well. Yeah, I, I saw yeah. that. And you just, oh, for God's sake, two inches and it's 1 1. Yeah, I mean, the overall general highlights when you look back at them do think it looked a bit unlucky that we lost and there isn't much else that happened in second half from what I said there was a good save by Coleman to keep us in it at one point and Asky brings up that in his post-match as well but it, it does feel like you know the rest of the second half went through and it does feel like at the end we were a bit unlucky we threw the kitchen sink at it we got exposed a couple of times I mean, mm. they, they, they hit us on the break a couple of times should have scored there was one in particular do you remember that miss yes so, where they were two on one basically on, yeah, it's basically one of the worst misses I've ever seen on the oh, brilliant. So, Owen Doyle, <laughs> they ran the full length of the pitch from defending one of our corners Owen Doyle and I can't remember the one who missed but Doyle breaks into the box squares it across to him I mean, we're talking about a four yard tap in here and he put it wide I'd miss, right. I mean, I'd miss them the, the idiotic thing about that was the, the square ball made him offside as well did you see yeah. he was actually flagged for offside yeah. in the end so I, I did he did see the balls at the pass yeah. he balls at but the he finish, didn't yeah. yeah he still missed that yeah, not realising that it was, yeah. you, you're not, you know, it's up there with Ronnie Rosenthal hitting the bar for me or yeah. something oh, man. it was it awful was that bad it, yeah. was just, it was one of those where you just couldn't believe what had just happened oh man so I guess then the next well the next and last question about the game is we obviously went on we lost I say you just threw the kitchen sink in it you know one word to describe how you felt at the end Positive. Positive? Chris? Oh, see, I'm getting as cynical as I get all flat. That would, oh, if I'm that's honest, that's word, how though. I felt on the final whistle. Flat. Yeah. I, th- I think we kind of whizzed through the game a bit there. It feels like we haven't given enough credence to the actual yeah. football that we played. Well, yeah, it's pretty We nice. played some lovely uh, Colquette, Lauren and Loft in the middle. I mean, Loft was fairly limited, but certainly Colquette and Lauren. Yeah. They played some lovely interchange between and, and Wally getting involved as well. And they always seemed to be wanting to play a forward pass. Hmm? So it almost looked like sometimes they would see a sideways or a backward pass and turn away from it like that was admitting defeat almost and they would play some lovely little interchanges and that opened up some lovely spaces where against maybe a less well-drilled side or a, you know, we could make some, some great opportunities for whoever's playing up front because the one thing we didn't craft was any real clear goal scoring opportunities for, any, for either of the strikers mm-hmm. Payne or, yeah. or Okunbiri who came on later on so it was all 
balls into the box that we were sort of trying to get onto, but nobody was ever put through as a pass. And I think that give them guys another couple of weeks playing together, and they'll start picking defenses Good. apart. Yeah. The midfield was a positive for me. Yeah. I mean, Colcott, nice skills. You know, he he clearly is kind of at the moment the Nolan replacement. He, mm. you know, he had a couple of efforts in the first half. Actually, I remember one shot just wide, brilliant you know, strike from just I think maybe twenty yards, and yeah. it was only just wide. It was good effort, and he caused them problems. I thought Laurent, physical unit, and looks but with a bit of skill as well. Yeah. I like him. I think he's got something about him, and they'll Good. gel well together. And Loft, he did all right. You know, I'm yeah. not going to say he was brilliant, but. I read some of the social media reaction and people saying, oh, Loft was useless. I think people have made up their minds there before he kicks yeah. a ball. He, I, I he was, have, if you base it on the football for that 90 minutes, he was okay. He was neat and tidy. He looked like a guy who, playing at the maximum visibility, will be a good League One footballer. He'll never win you a game. He'll never get man the match. But he probably won't ever lose you one either. Yeah, yeah. It's, is that what we want? We want better than that. But he was great for what he was doing. That's good. You're saying flat as well. You've seen social media commentary. I it's, I've seen it be I, a bit more nature. positive yeah. than negative. Yeah. And, and I've seen some people be negative about it, but I've seen. I think the, the more the vibe is, look, we lost. But the, the, the other thing I've got a feeling was that maybe it's a bit more attacking than last season. The actual approach to the to, to yeah. what he put into the game is that fair? Be, we yeah. seem to be happier to be open. I think okay. like Payne and Wally weren't working as hard back as Wally and Robin did last year. They were when they when the opposition had the ball, they basically sat in front of the fullbacks. Mm. They were they were still a lot further up the pitch. Um, so yeah, we're happy to attack. I think a bit more this season, but. Yeah. Um, Didn't just, score though. <laughs> yeah, just just thinking about the other the other players in the team who we knew that the goalkeeper looked okay. His kicking was a bit. I guess so, his distribution a few times. There was a bizarre yeah. one we had a free kick and he just wellied the ball straight out into touch. Yeah, just what the hell are you doing? So I mean, some of the feedback I'd seen from uh, from Huddersfield has come from, isn't it? Their fans were saying you've got a good one there. He's good with the ball at his feet. He didn't look very good with the ball at his feet. But again, it might be first day nerves, I think. Uh, but he certainly, behind the ball, shot stopping, he, he looked fine. And Kennedy was the one that surprised me. You, you said he was pretty poor yeah, in pre-season. Yeah, I'm, I'm very surprised yeah. He didn't really put a foot wrong all day. Yeah. Um, he headed away everything and kicked away everything and actually passed the ball fairly decently when he had it. Uh, and him and Sadler seemed to have a good understanding. But yeah, I think if they, if they get too high the pitch and have a ball over the top chasing back and okay. they're going to get done for pace. We'll, we'll go through your top threes as well now because obviously you've mentioned a few of those players and it's probably just worth capturing it off. But um, yeah, so top three, Mike, uh, you went for Wally, number one, yep. and so did you, Chris. So Wally, Wally got man of the match there from both of you. But di- you went slightly differently. Mike, for second place, you went for Colcott, and then third place, Sadler, and Chris, you went for Laurent. Uh, second place and Colcott third place so yeah as you were talking about how positive Colcott was Chris he featured in both your top two so obviously had a good game didn't he yeah I enjoyed him I thought he's got something about him he's the kind of, I remember his interview he sounded like a bit of a cocky lad when we signed him he was making comments about you know I'm going to be I'm going to entertain you all I'm going to do this <laughs> I'm going to do. but he looks to me like the kind of player you know that's just his attitude he's mm. bubbly he's lively and I think he'll probably he'll live up to that he looked like he will entertain us and yeah. that's a good thing good and then <clears throat> should just go over what John Asky had to say at the end of it it's obviously the first post-match uh, interview I've sort of had a look at since he, he became you know manager in his first competitive fixture um, and you managed to stay awake after the fans forum this oh, time mate yeah don't, we can go back to that we did talk about that last week um, but yeah but we created chances which was a plus point um, but there are chances we should have taken so obviously talking about the two clear cut chances you guys described um, he thought it was a game we could have won today um, he says obviously we hit the bar a couple of times um, but on the other side of that the goal that we gave away we gave that to them so it was very disappointing um, he put on the new boys I thought there were some there were two or three that did well but there were one or two that didn't do well and it's early days stomachs all trying to find their feet so mm. I think again you know, you've know, not seen that I don't think but it reflects kind of the, the narrative you've given about some of them coming in and trying to find their feet so yeah. we've got to give these guys a chance we, we always talk about on the pod me and Ollie that 
you can't really judge a team until 10 competitive fixtures have been played. You really can get an idea of what will be happening. So it's difficult to judge the whole season on one game, but, yeah. you know. I kind of worry about momentum. That's what's worrying me a little yeah. bit because our next game's on the way. That's a tough game. I listened to Loren giving an interview on Radio Shropshire as I was driving home and he was saying he was a, he was a bit down because obviously he wanted to win the game. Yeah. He was gutted. He'd missed a good chance and he was saying that we can still get off to a flying start this season though. We've got to go to Charlton and win, etc. Mm. And, and I was thinking, yeah, Easy. what happens if we go to Charlton and lose one yeah. now, which is perfectly reasonable, you know, it's, and then suddenly you've lost two out of two and then... And, the, and so my, my point about the squad being quite young, you know, it could affect them where we're lacking you know, oh, yeah. leaders in the... Because in one thing I noticed on the pitch at the weekend, there wasn't a huge amount of communication going on on the pitch. Sadler was trying to G people up and talk, but nobody else seemed to really be talking to each no. other. Um, and I, yeah, hopefully that'll build again. But a lot of those players didn't go on the team building trip to Portugal. No, nope, didn't. Which seemed to do wonders last year, but we got a few guys in after that. So, you know, it's... The shot must have done well in Portugal because he somehow got himself named club captain. So I'm <laughs> not entirely sure that out. That I'm happened. on the pitch. <laughs> to be fair to that, again, I thought it depends how he sees that role. If he's saying club captain is different to team Community captain, jobs, and it's yeah. just about a you know, link between players and manager off the field. Mm. Well, just because Lennon's not going to be in the team doesn't mean he's not yeah. great at that role. If if he's a popular member of the squad, the players like him, the manager like him. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. You'd, you'd like to think the players have got the most respect to the ones that are playing every week and are performing. But you know, you, you might have different roles and different dynamics with but different, that different managers. After, you know, the fines for being late for training. Yeah, right? It's Lennon's yeah. job to say, you know, you. you know, it's you, just to give him something to do. He's got to play much for you can do all the fines this season, Len. <laughs> give you something to do in the changing room. Um, but yeah, he named Cla- he's obviously named Sadler captain on the pitch and, yeah. and, and he fulfills that role well, doesn't he? So um, there we go. We'll probably round it off there. We should just say uh, we're in the relegation zone. <laughs> we're third bottom alphabetically, so <laughs> it's already it's already problems. Um, yeah. But yeah, plenty of time to turn it around. Um, and I suppose, yeah, the last thing to talk about really is, is the next game. And you briefly mentioned that, Chris. Some predictions for next week, really. So Charlton away. You know, that looked like a tough game last season. Obviously, we went there and won twice, which was positive. But um they lost 2-1 at Sunderland uh, in their opening game, but they only lost to a 96-minute goal. So they, they pushed Sunderland, who were supposed to come and steamroll this division all the way. And from everything I've read in, in my research this week, Charlton looked pretty good, unfortunately. So it is going to be tough. Yeah, I really don't want to lose that game because A, momentum, <laughs> and B, I just don't, Boy, want to see, yeah. I don't want to listen to Lee Bowyer talking oh, about anything to do with us. And I'm not looking forward to looking at Twitter this week with yeah. Charlton fans who seem to really hate us now, so that's going to be a fun week. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just hope we can get something out of that game. Optimistic 1-1, I'm going to say. Yeah, um, yeah, I'd love to smash them. <laughs> absolutely smash them. But I fear um, that we are going to lose 1-0. You, f- you figure there'll be a, p- a bit of needle in the game because I don't, I'm not sure how many players they've got left from last season. But from, from again, from reading through their squad last year, I recognised a few of their names. So I think they've kind of kept a nucleus of their squad together. And obviously, we've got the same defence basically, and, and you know, Payne was involved as well. You'd, you'd probably feel like there might because of everything that went on last season and the, mm. the tr- stuff at the end of the game at ours, and you know, just the way the four games against them developed across the season. I think it might be quite an interesting game to go and watch. I can't go unfortunately I'm on all day, but I would I would definitely go on to watch this game as, as hard as it will be and as likely as it will probably lose. It'll definitely be an interesting game, I think. Yeah, I think so. I, I, I think if nobody else, Lee Bowie has probably got a long memory for things like that. <laughs> Do you know, the abuse he got going down the tunnel when we were on the pitch, so he'll have him fired up for it. Um, and like, you'd like to think the sadder of, of, of think we owe him a bit. So um, yeah, yeah, it's going to be a bit of needle, but yeah, I just can't see us getting anything this early in the in the season with 
a team that needs to settle and gel together from the look of Saturday, I, I think they'll probably be a bit too strong, unfortunately. Yeah, well, we'll see. I, I, I'll go with Chris, actually, in terms of predictions. I think 1-1 would be perfectly acceptable. And I think, you know, there's, there's no reason to think that we can't go down and give them a game. I'd like to see a see. score a goal as well, yeah. again, psychologically. Yeah. If it was 1-0 again, you're going, oh, crikey, it's, we've played two matches, we haven't even scored yet. It's interesting, you normally get the, 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 the League Cup now, don't you, in the next game? Yeah, you, yeah, you, mid-week, we normally have a game, don't we? And normally, you can get a goal in there and a bit of pressure's off and you can, you know, mm. get monkeys off the back straight away. Whereas this season we've got two league games back to back um, so it's a little bit of a different dynamic than seasons that it previously mm. has been So, um, but then you get that the week after we're away at uh, Burton I think in the first round of the League Cup this year which is not an easy game either so you could easily Rubbish go draw, you could easily it? go not from free this season but you know, yeah. who, who knows I, I, um, I wonder who he's going to pick though I wonder, you know, he said there was a few guys that didn't perform you know, what yeah. changes can you see for, yeah. for the Charlton game especially as it's away I, I think I think you'll be tempted to, to start Grant you're totally keen to get him in the team I think we'll probably see Ockenbehira for pain as well, I would have thought. But whether he'll, he'll move Omar out and play a left-back, yeah, he's got some decisions to make there. Who knows, he well. might have signed by then as well. Well, true, yeah. We yeah. could have at least a new centre-back, new potentially, and, you know, Doherty we're being linked with at Rangers. Mm. Uh, oh, how many midfielders do you want? We could just pick a team of midfielders, yeah. I think, yeah. the way we're going. But Norwood at Tram- good. good, didn't he? Norwood at Tramway is another one I yeah. think they'll be looking at this week. But um, I, I suspect you could see two or three in by, by the transfer window, and there's no reason why, if they've had a good pre-season, they won't go straight into the team lineup mm-hmm. on Saturday. So one to keep an eye on for fans this week, I think. Um, uh, yeah, but yeah, no, I don't think any of us are going to the game next week. So Ollie is going to be back to do the podcast next week. He is going; he's back off holiday, um, and he's lined up some a guest to come on with him next week. So, yeah, next two weeks, Ollie's going to be the podcast. I'm not about. So, uh, well, yeah. I got the week off. You've got no, oh, no podcast. Great. Yeah, I'll call you back in December or something. Like that. <laughs> and um, yeah, and uh, thanks to Chris for coming on for the first time as well. I hope you've enjoyed it. It's 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 so, nice yeah. to have someone that's actually had some media experience to come and tell us what we've done. Thanks for my debut, and I didn't get any stick for covering Telford either. No, so I, I did. I did feel like bringing it up, but <laughs> after the the trouble I've caused with Telford, it's 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 not a wound we need to reopen at this stage. So um, yeah, cheers for coming on, guys, and yeah, hopefully everyone enjoyed the podcast. And yeah, Ollie and mystery guest will be back next week. So um, yeah, enjoy the next few weeks, and I'll I'll catch up with you six or seven games in. Oh!